Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Helen Keller Welcome to The Lost Traveler. I'm your host, Henry Cameron Allen, and I am here with a very special guest indeed, Melinda Rondano, and she is a millennial life coach, uh, which is something that I'm very excited to, uh, to delve right into. She is uh, specializes in personal development and has studied at the Academy for Coaching Excellence and is currently working on her credentials as a coach through the International Coach Federation. Welcome, Melinda. It's so great to have you. It is so good to be here with you, Henry. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, I think there's a um, there's a, a lost voice out there in the life skills world, and I think it's uh, it's the millennial generation. And you and I have spoken in the past about the duality of the experience of being in this age group you know, 20s to 30s uh, during this crisis and um, the feeling of, you know, getting your life going and then all of a sudden having the plug pulled out and discovering that, wait a minute, is this who I am? Is this what I want to be doing? What do I want to be doing? Ah! (laughs) Um, So talk a little bit about that. What's it like for you, not only in your own experience, but in your circle um, of, of clients and, and friends. Um, what's it like, this experience right now? Well, you know, it is absolutely different for everybody, depending on circumstance. But something that I've seen to be true uh, for me and my community is, uh, you know, there's, there's this feeling like um, I have so much to contribute and I want to do so much with my life or you know, maybe even not being sure what that is and not knowing how to do it, right? And I think um, this is true whether or not we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> but I've heard so many millennials say, wow, you know, this is so frustrating. Like there's so many things that I want um, to be different in the world and I want to feel fulfilled. I really want to feel fulfilled in my life, in my job. And how do I do that? And then there's also millennials who know exactly what they want to do. And they're like, yeah, this is a cause that's really important to me. Or I love contributing to others in this way. And they found ways to do that. And now we're in the middle of a pandemic and the rug has been swept out from underneath them. And it's like, wow, I have nothing to do. How do I do the thing that I love that I know I'm here for? Well, and I think that it's it's across the board. I think that's that's not a unique uh, uh, experience during this time. I know a lot of people in my generation, and I'm 54, um, that that are experiencing the same thing. We are, like I say in my trailer for the Lost Traveler, we're all pioneers right now, all of us. And oh, absolutely, that's start this podcast because um, let's get that conversation going, you know, and let's talk to experts but in a very casual way let's talk to experts (laughs) who are working with life skills education and development personal development work that is so important 
Um, I think generationally we find that, you know, at least I can speak for myself that I'm sitting here in my mid fifties, right? What's that? 30, almost 30 years older than you. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) And I'm thinking, I actually was talking to my dad about this. Um, and I talked to my mom too. Nobody prepared me for being in my fifties. Nobody, not at home, not my parents, not my education, either in uh, primary or high school or, uh, or even university. Nobody prepared me for this stage of my life. Nobody told me, this is what you can expect to meet when you're at this age, right? So this podcast is actually ageless. It's for all generations. It's for younger, it's for older. Um, even younger kids who may be looking for answers right now. Um, how do we form this into uh, that message? You know, here are some skills that you can take away from this conversation um, that can help prepare you for not only meeting your 20s and your 30s, but also an uncertain future. I think right. that, that we've been bombarded with images of post-apocalyptic disaster in movie, <laughs> TV shows, right? And, and, and even video games, right? And, and so how do we skirt that? How do we, how do we navigate that? How do you navigate that? Well, I'm so glad that you brought up that uh, you don't feel like you were prepared for the age that you are because um, I – it's good to know that that doesn't change because that's how I felt as soon as I turned 20. I was like, oh, wait, nobody told me it would be like this. <laughs> um, and, you know, that, that is a universal experience um, across the board. And I think, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a way of engaging with ourselves that can support us to have ease around that, around moving into new uncertain times, regardless of whether it's because there's a pandemic or because we're getting out of high school and all of a sudden have to go have a job or go to college or, you know, um, life uh, is always changing around us and we are always changing. And whenever there's change in our environment, our brains go nuts. They say, hold up. What are you what are you doing here? This is not what I signed up for. Um, And that's actually that part of our brain is something that has evolved evolutionarily. Um, You know, when we were cave people, the ones who survived were the ones who when they walked out of the cave to get food before they looked for food, they looked for danger. And our brains Mm. do that, too. So anytime there's change, our brains are saying, "Okay, what's the danger here? What do I need to look out for? And uh, a lot of times that can actually limit our ability to to function in a way that uh, creates possibility, you know, creates that incredible opportunity for new things to emerge that maybe were even better than what was present before. And we're going to take a brief pause right now to hear a word from our sponsor. Introducing the newest member of the Vox Life family, 
REMPATCH with OST, optimized sleep technology, balances your REM and deep sleep stages to encourage rejuvenation of the mind and body. No drugs, no hangover, just a great night's sleep. Visit dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com for information. That's dianedinkmeyer.voxlife.com. All Vox Life products are available in the UK, Canada, and the USA. Um, what do you think about meeting as, as a millennial? And, and yeah, I don't mean that at all in a condescending way or in putting you in a box. I know that, that our listeners are going to have an impression of what that means. Um, I'm just speaking in terms of your age group. I'm speaking in terms of your generation, right? I think that's really important part of the discussion is what are the, the functionalities and the dysfunctions that are handed down to us from generation to generation. You're in a unique generation in that you're the first generation to have access to information to the degree that you do. In fact, you have over access to information. <laughs> we all do. Um, but since you were little, little, right? Mm -hmm. With the advent, I mean, you've, you've not experienced a time where you didn't have a computer handy or uh, internet research or, um, you know, video gaming. Um, and it's just developed and grown so much over the last 10 or 20 years. Um that now there, there are whole social worlds unseen in, in the virtual realm, right? Where interactions are happening. Mm -hmm. um, and, and how do you, I have this theory that um, specifically about the millennial generation, that, that intellectually, all of this information has permitted you to be, um, be, to be able to wrap your brain around everything that's going on in the world, the complexities of the world, but it hasn't prepared the heart. And, and so it's, it's more, it's not as much of an intellectual strain as it is an emotional strain to sort out the information, you know, and where the danger is because nobody even knows what's true anymore. Right. Right. Well, and I think that you, you just hit on something that's really significant. I mean, I don't remember a time where I didn't have access to technology. Um, even my sister, who's a few years older than me, uh, didn't have the extent of technology that I do and have had. And uh, it's dramatically changed our experience with our friends and, um, you know, connecting in general. But something that I think is universal, regardless of how much information we have access to, is what you're talking about, that heart. Like, you know, I can be connected to all of my friends and see them on Instagram doing really cool things. And what do I do with that information? Do I say, oh my God, all of my friends are doing really cool things and I'm not doing anything cool. Like, what's wrong with me? Or am I inspired by their creativity and say, wow, that's amazing. I want to go out and do something like that. Um, how can I make it happen? Is there a degree of competition in that, do you think? In social media? Yeah. I, I mean, in, in people seeing their friends 
on Instagram or, or wherever and um, trying to outdo one another in a way. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, I think that that competition really also stems out of that part of our brain that's looking for danger. I mean, if um, our brain is activated, it's, it's the limbic system of the brain. It's that fight, flight, freeze piece there. And when it's activated, which it so often is because it's so normal for this to come up. Uh, it's yeah. not like anybody's doing anything wrong that's making their brain do this. It's just how our brains work. And so our, our brain's reflex is to say, oh, I need to compete with all of these people so that I am one up so that I am successful and I can survive. Right. It's mm. that survival instinct that kicks in. But when we're in that survival mode, we tend to behave in ways that, that aren't who we really are, that don't demonstrate what we have to contribute, that don't demonstrate that what we really want is support and to support each other. And mm. there, there can be a lot of one-upmanship that happens, especially in social media, because when you're looking at like Instagram or Facebook, the whole story isn't being told. It's an image of somebody in the coolest moment <laughs> of that experience, uh, you know, with their sunglasses on and doing a cool pose or whatever. It's not all encompassing. And right. our brains are, are, they will jump on that. They love it. They eat it up and they tell us that we're doing everything wrong because of it. <laughs> well, and you, you hit a great point too. Nobody talked to my generation about anxiety or depression being normal and it's an important message that you that you stated um that these feelings are part of the human experience uh i i have a lot of friends um who are millennials and um and are experiencing deep anxiety debilitating anxiety and depression and not feeling because they're seeing just a facade as you say mm -hmm. uh in social media of how everyone else is living their life through all the filters that we put on our faces to you know brighten our teeth and tan our skin and twinkle our eyes <laughs> um you know and we measure don't we now i think and it's and again this isn't just a millennial issue this is my generation too mm -hmm. um we measure ourselves by the facade that we're seeing. And right now we have a very unique time in history that nobody has any idea uh, what's going to happen even a week from now. Right. Um, and, and how do we get around not just millennials, but all of us, how do we get around this, this polished facade world that, that we're limited to right now? Um, because we can't engage one-on-one -on -one with people uh, the way that we used to a few months mm -hmm. ago. Um, how do we get around that obstacle? Well, there's, there's kind of two pieces to that. One of them is how we show up ourselves, how we present ourselves. Um, I am a, a deep lover of Brene Brown's work on vulnerability, and um, she really demonstrates and both through her work and how she shows up um, 
the power and significance of being authentic and sharing the nitty gritty that isn't polished and perfect and how much connection that creates. The other piece to it is how we receive other people, right? And that is where, um, you know, our, our brains go crazy is when we're taking in information and we're making it mean something either about us or the world or other people because our brain is activated. It's not our fault. It's not anything we're doing wrong. It's just what is. When we're, when we're yeah. in that, that's, uh, it's kind of like a spiral. Um, I tend to feel it as like spiraling out and I see one thing and then it, you know, is connected to this other thing. And then all of a sudden I'm looking at all of these things that I'm doing wrong and clearly I'm just a horrible person. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we've all had that experience. You no, know you're not. Of right? course not. Because, because that's, that's not how reality works. That's just what my brain is doing. <laughs> but uh, if you can notice. Somewhere, somewhere with that. What? Yeah. Was that seed planted somewhere though? Do you think, and this is this is part of the life skills conversation, is do you think that seed of self-doubt was somewhere planted in your foundation that that somehow clings on or takes root? It's like that, um, you know, I hate, to, I hate to use the word weed because I think all plants are, are valuable mm -hmm. and, and <laughs> some weeds are medicinal. <laughs> um, how do you how do you explain the the root of that? Because when you're in that downward spiral, there's always a, a base. Right? My grandmother used to say, "When you hit bottom, there's only one way to go." That's <laughs> up, right? Um, how do you find the root of it so that you can address it and start the journey back up out of that? You know, there's so there's two ways to to kind of look at it. One of them is from that let's find the root cause of this and take care of that and then work our way up, which, um, you know, that's something that a lot of healers can help with and therapy is really great for. Um, and there's another way to approach it as well. And not to say that, I mean, if therapy is needed, therapy is needed, go do that. Great. Awesome. Um, but there's another way that we can approach it just for ourselves that, uh, is less about the why. Like, it's not why is this happening? It's what can I do to change my experience around this right now? Because uh, when, we, when we get into why, sometimes why is really important. And sometimes why turns into analysis of ourselves. And have you ever heard the term like analysis paralysis? Yes. yes, totally. So this is something that I see a lot of people getting caught in is just stuck in analyzing themselves and why they did the thing and why the other person did the thing. And then no motion is happening. There's no action. And what I think uh, is really important when we're talking about people demonstrating what's really important to them, what they're here to do and showing up the way that they want to be is not getting into that why, but shifting our attention from that conversation that's happening in our brains of I'm not good enough. They're so much uh, smarter, prettier, better, whatever than me to what am I really here for? What's important to me about this? Because that brain cycle kicks in 
way stronger when something's really important. The louder that voice in your head is, the more important the thing is to you. And if you can tap into what it is that's so important that that fight, flight, freeze response is kicking in, then you can see what to do next that's in line with that as opposed to in line with your brain instinct. Another way to say that might be to, to find where that deep passion in your soul meets a great need in the world. Totally. Yeah, that's a great way of right? putting that. Because really, we all have this innate desire to contribute to others. And how that shows up for us is going to be very different. But that's, that's kind of at our core, right? What we're here to do is at our core, whether we know what it is or not. Do you think that that impulse has changed now with this lockdown, with this, this experience, this crisis? The impulse to contribute? Mm -hmm. I think that people are seeing contribution differently than they have. And this may not be all people, but something that I'm seeing from the people who I've talked to is they're seeing what used to be important and what now, given the restrictions and the changing uh, culture, is truly important. You know, like, is a deadline really important? No, <laughs> probably not. Not mm -hmm. now that we're missing each other and uh, we miss our families, we miss our friends. And, um, you know, I had a, a friend the other day send me a text message just to tell me that she appreciated a Facebook post that I had made because it, it brightened up her Facebook wall. And I've been seeing that more and more of the people in my community just reaching out to, to say one piece of gratitude or to check in and say, hey, I haven't heard from you and I miss you, how are you? And even, even just those mm. simple acts of kindness and support and generosity are a contribution that we can all make right now. I think, I think I've been seeing people making that effort and making that shift. Yeah, I have too. You know, it's it's really interesting. I have, um, you know, I, I grew up all over the world, and when you grow up the way that I did, your school chums growing up, you know, somebody or you may only be there for a year or two, and then you move on to another country if you're in the diplomatic or military uh, services, and so you don't have the kind of lifelong connections that people do when you've lived in one place your whole life um but with social media we start even now in our 50s we're finding one another again and we're reaching out to one another and we're connecting in ways that we could never even three months ago would have never thought to i think that's a very unique and positive outcome of this particular challenge in our time i totally agree that's amazing I'm seeing it on a global scale and I'm seeing it on a local scale, micro and macro, both. Yeah, totally. That's 
incredible that you're having that experience with this community who you had lost touch with and are now able to reconnect with. And I think um, that's something really significant about this time is like, we can, we can focus on how challenging it is and that can be a point of connection. And we can also look for what, what is this time bringing us that's an opportunity for things to be different than they have been, you know? it's there, there may be things that were present before that we were dissatisfied with. And now there's all of this space because things are changing so much for those things that were, we weren't super happy about to be different and to be something that we really appreciate. And we really, that really serves us and works for what we want to bring into the world. And we'll be right back, right after this. Twenty-first century life skills warrant twenty-first century education. Every human being is born into a classroom, each of us given the same homework, the same core assignments. Personal care skills, emotional literacy, financial literacy, environmental literacy. These and other essential life skills are unique, learned and used by each of us every day of our lives. Indeed, they are the common thread in our humanity, core to individuals and the communities they construct, surviving and thriving. Raising the bar on life skills education for all. This is the mission of Parenting 2.0. Visit www.parenting2pt0.org for more information. And what are some practical tools, do you think, that um, somebody who's listening who may be in their teens or their 20s or 30s um, and, and going through this experience of trying to figure out a new way to meet the world um, because you're right, the way you present yourself is the way the world perceives you. And so all the cards are in your hands. All the power is in your hands. How, what are some actual tools that a young person can engage uh, to, to make that shift, to make that jump? I'm so glad you asked that. Um, so the, the first thing that I'll say is, is probably the most powerful tool that we have is willingness. If we are willing to look at what we might be doing that's contributing to our experience and willing to do things differently, there is room for change. The, mm. the second thing that I think uh, is really powerful is noticing what comes up when we get in these moments of uh, frustration and fear, a lot of times we don't even necessarily identify that um, that part of our brain has turned on and we're experiencing that fight, flight, freeze. So noticing, you know, am I feeling frustrated? Am I feeling um, anxiety in any way? Um, typically the, 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 uh, the pathway of feelings goes frustration, resignation, cynicism, depending on how long it's been since we've addressed 
the initial uh, discontinuity between who we really are and how we're demonstrating ourselves to be, right? So if we're experiencing any of those feelings, it can be an opportunity to take a look at what is the conversation happening in my head that is creating this experience right now? Am I blaming other people for something? Am I um, trying to make myself right and other people wrong? You know, not that I'm trying to do this, but my brain is trying to do this because it's trying to keep me safe, right? So Mm. noticing what your brain is doing and recognizing that it is not you, that you are the creature that wants to contribute and is this big, warm, whole heart. And getting in touch with that again and separating out when you when you look at the conversation that's happening in your brain, you can like hold it out in front of you and say, okay, is that what I want to be paying attention to? (laughs) Or is there something that's more interesting Mm -hmm. to me? (laughs) Right, right. Well, it's it's you're right. It's willing, it's feeling Mm -hmm. and it's thinking. It's those three key components to our human experience, our uniquely human experience. Right. I don't think um, my dog experiences it the same way or a sparrow or a butterfly. I think um, we we experience these things in a very unique way. Um, one of the tricks that I have um, worked with my clients on is to take all of these feelings because we tend to ascribe uh, these feelings to our own personal self. Right. With a capital S. We say, I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm mm-hmm. anxious, right? Oh, hello, I'm Henry, nice <laughs> to meet you. <laughs> right? We, we use them as descriptors and, and we, we ascribe value, a personal value uh, to, these, to these adjectives, right? But if we can transform these adjectives into nouns, and say, I'm Henry Cameron, and I, I struggle with anxiety. Or I'm Henry Cameron, and I have depression from time to time. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and turn those adjectives into nouns. A noun is, a, is something you can yes. handle. An adjective you can't yeah. touch. Right? But a noun you can touch. You can hold it. You can transform it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... That's like the difference between, I mean, we we can put it into a really silly context and say, you know, I am scoliosis, right? I actually, I have scoliosis is what's true. And there are some things that I have to do differently in my life because I have scoliosis. And it is, it is something that I navigate around. It is not who I am. And so I'm so glad that you brought up that that difference between having something be a descriptor of who we are, right? I, I am not, a, uh, I am not depression, but I maybe have it and manage it, right? I am not right. anxiety, but I maybe have it and manage it. That's right. a really powerful distinction. I think that's very, very key, very key, especially for those uh, younger folks who are struggling without the tools yet, 
right, in their kits to be able to meet this time, which can be, certainly be a trigger for anxiety and depression and anger, um, all of those things. Maybe not trigger scoliosis, <laughs> but it, other health issues, mm-hmm. certainly, right? We may not be eating as healthy as we could um, in, in, this, in this isolation. I, I hear a lot of people talking about nutrition right now. And saying, oh, I'm gaining so much weight and uh, COVID carbs <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> but then there are people who are taking this opportunity mm-hmm. to get healthy, to really start focusing in on their physical body and optimizing it to meet the other side of this disease, to strengthen their immune mm-hmm. systems. You know, we know. We know now that mental health originates in the gut. We know that food is medicine, mm-hmm. right? And has a direct impact on our, our mental wellness. And so talk a little bit about that from a millennial perspective, if you would. Um, because I, I think that that's another component that we don't talk enough about. And it'd be interesting to hear from your perspective um, what other people can can benefit yeah, from I'm so right glad now you brought that up um because there there is something else i've been hearing from my community and this has been present for me as well um is oh i should be doing a lot more physical activity i'm not taking good enough care of myself um, i'm a rock climber and i'm used to going climbing three days a week at least and i have not had that for over a month now so my body is definitely feeling it And, um, you know, I am, I'm watching a lot of different people taking really good care of their health and my brain has been turning on and saying, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing it right. They are better than me for whatever reason, somehow they're able to do it and I'm not. And, uh, something that I've been practicing and that, um, I think is another really great tool for people is first to to take a look at what is important to you about physical well-being, right? What is it that you want to work on? What is is significant to you about it? Um, What lights up your heart about the idea of being physically fit, healthy, mentally, emotionally well? Your generous sponsorship and individual support of the Lost Traveler podcast benefits the Lost Travelers Club, a charitable project under the fiscal sponsorship of United Charitable, a nonprofit 501c3 organization. The Lost Travelers Club focuses primarily on the needs of parents who have outlived their beloved children. We recently launched our new Brain Candy Project wing, providing art supplies to children still struggling with critical or terminal health-related conditions. We hope to raise enough funds to launch Brain Candy, an arts and literature magazine created by and for these young people. Find out more at www.braincandy.online. Thank you. (laughs) 
And then once you're in that space, that like light energy space, the question is, what is one small thing, the smallest, sweetest thing that I could do right now? Um, This is especially true if uh, you're talking about somebody who's dealing with anxiety around not doing enough or having trouble getting on the yoga mat or getting outside to do physical activity. It's like, okay, well, you don't have to be doing yoga every single day and, you know, going running three times a week right off the bat. The difference between no action and a little bit of action is a world of difference. Well, and that, that also applies for, for people who are living with disabilities. Um, you know, just because someone is, is in a wheelchair or a paraplegic and can only manipulate something, you know, a, a fork or uh, a paintbrush with their mouth or their toe, uh, it doesn't mean that they are completely inactive. I think there's something, as you say, the smallest, sweetest thing that you can do for yourself during this time that will help you feel that you're taking a step forward um, is huge, even if you can't physically take a step Yeah, forward. definitely. I like to also put this um, in kind of a visual context. When I talk about like small, sweet steps, um, sometimes people get into like, okay, then I have to do like 15 small, sweet steps, right? <laughs> but when we're talking about something mm-hmm. like physical well-being, it's a, it's a gradual progression over time. And I like to think of every small, sweet step I take, whether it's, you know, taking my vitamins or doing even just five minutes of laying on my yoga mat. Um, Every one of those just small, sweet steps is like a drop of green dye, one drop of green dye in a vat of water. And every time I do one small, sweet step, that water turns just a little bit greener. It's indistinguishable to the eye. But over time, it becomes this pure, beautiful green water that's exactly what I was looking for. That picture in my head of physical health and well-being that lit up my heart when I thought about it. Spoken like a true (laughs) artist. Melinda is, by the way, an amazing artist. Um, she did a portrait of, of my son who uh, they were best friends for most of their lives. And, uh, and uh, it still, uh, it just moves me every time I see it. And everyone who sees it can't believe that somebody created <laughs> that image. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is. There, there's, there's that creative artistic impulse in all of us. And I love that image of the, the, the paint or the dye dropping into the water and, and allowing it to be a meditation of, of sort of permeation uh, and, and allowing it its time to fill the, the whole yeah, vessel. Yeah, I think we have love a, a really all or nothing mentality in our culture that has developed over time. Um, you know, and especially with mm. all the advertisements and stuff that, that go on that say, you know, get, get fit in 30 days or whatever, rock hard abs in 30 days. <laughs> you can do it that way. Right. You absolutely can do it that way. And 
you don't have to. There is no right way to do it. And uh, I think something that people get caught up in a lot is thinking that there's a right way to do it and that there is some uh, overarching right answer to all of my problems. And truthfully, there is no right answer. There's only the right answer for you. And we all have our own answers inside of us. And the question becomes, how do I find out, how do I hear that voice of wisdom, that inner knowing that already knows exactly what I need? I think that is a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation. (laughs) Um, If there were three things that you would want somebody listening, no matter what their age, to take away from this conversation, what would they be? They would be that you are whole and complete exactly the way you are. You are not your brain that tells you all those crazy things about yourself and other people in the world. And you have all of your own answers and the ability to see them. That's beautiful. Linda, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of The Lost Traveler. Uh, If you want to find out more about Melinda Rondano Coaching, you can go to melindarondanocoaching.com. And if you want to see some of Melinda's amazing, beautiful artwork, go to fireflyfineart.com. And you can uh, purchase her art there and see her portfolio. Really stunning work. And you're a stunning young woman. And I'm very, very proud of you and thrilled to have Mm. you be my guest. Yeah, I would love it. Thank you so much for having me. This has been truly a delight. You've been listening to The Lost Traveler with Henry Cameron Allen. For more information, please visit www.henryallen.org. Thanks so much for tuning in, and let's all keep striving for a better world. Thank you.